Hi, Tim. Have a seat. How you doing? Yeah, good to see you. Okay. But anyway, we got a lot going on. God's bringing people together, sending other people out. And you guys um, that are going to be down the shoreline, now we're sending you off. Don't be coming back up here. <laughs> Don't be coming back up here looking for stuff, looking for help. No, seriously. We're all together in this. It's going to be awesome, and I know God is going to do great things. When everybody stood up, I said, that's most of the church. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be gone. Yeah, you can. Sure. Tim, help out here. There you go. Everything okay? And you know, I thought something that we really need to talk about this morning, and I'm not going to keep you long because I know you guys are worn out. The last thing you need to, to hear is uh, an hour-long sermon, amen? So we're going to go 55 minutes, get it all in, and see what we can do. But I thought what we ought to talk about is unity. We've got to stay unified, people. We have got to understand how important unity is to the advancement of the gospel. Look over John 17. Everybody get a Bible out or look on your phone. Act like you're looking on your phone. But in John 17, he talks a lot about, he prays, it's really a prayer for the disciples. And the first part of the chapter, he's dealing with the disciples basically who were had been with him and then down in verse 20 he prays for us he says my prayer is not for them alone i pray also for those who will believe in me through their message verse 20 that all may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Here we get a real and rare glimpse into the heart of Jesus. We see his emotions, we see his passion. We see his vision for us, what he wants us to be, what we need to be. He knows we need to be united in order to really experience the depth of love God has for us. Amen. Love and unity go hand in hand. Right. If we're united, it means we love one another. If we're not united, it means we don't. We love one another, we're going to be united. I don't have time this morning to deal with all the issues of conflict resolution. That's a whole other message. But here we just need to understand the importance of what Jesus is praying for. He's praying for a level of unity that he compares to his relationship with the Father. Just as you and I are one, Father, May they be one. Now, that's scary. 
But it's exciting to know how more unified we can become and how much more love is out there for us to experience. Something so powerful that the world will take notice. That's powerful. It's powerful for the world to take notice of the unity and the love that we experience. That's how powerful it can be. When people come and visit us, they need to see a level of love that's unbelievable. They need to walk away and go, man, now that's what I've been looking for. That would complete my journey if I could get in with those people. Those are the possibilities. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter one. Now we kind of talked about this in the sense of it being a general admonition, you know, to the church universal. But now in First Corinthians one, Paul brings it down to a congregational situation. See, I want to be unified with all the brothers and sisters around the world. That sounds good, doesn't it? I want to be unified. But if I can't get along with people in the church that I'm at, <laughs> what hope do I have of really being unified with the church? I've got to learn unity at a personal level. Now here Paul says in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, 1 Corinthians 1, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another and what you say, and that there be no divisions among you but, you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's Paul's expectation for the church. No division. Unity is a bedrock doctrine in the New Testament. It's as important and as crucial as a physical resurrection of Christ. It's a fact. It's a doctrine. It has to take place in the sense of what is doctrinally sound. If I believe in the Bible, and I believe in the Jesus and the resurrection, but I don't seek to be unified with the brothers and sisters around me, I've missed one of the most crucial doctrines in the Bible. You know, the Corinthians, they had their problems. Most of us know. Most of us look at the Corinthian church as being a problem church. Well, it wasn't any different than any other churches back then. They just had different problems. In fact, every letter basically in the New Testament was written to deal with some type of church problem. The apostles were probably tied up all the time dealing with church problems of these young churches. But in the midst of all that, Paul says, no division. I don't care what we go through. I don't care what we have to deal with. We cannot remain divided. Now, Hunter, you can either amen or be quiet. You can't, you can't. <laughs> 
can't be screaming at my points. Okay. <laughs> Make a big point. You go, <laughs> Corinthians divided over leadership. They became critical of Paul. There was immorality. There were lawsuits. There were marriage issues. There's the issue of food sacrifice to idols. That was a big one. The role of men and women. Abuse of the Lord's Supper. Spiritual gifts. Denial of the physical resurrection of Christ. I mean, we have some real issues here. To us, we look back and we go, man, those are so trivial. What was the real problem? What was the issue? What was lacking in the fellowship that manifested itself in all of these issues? Because, you know, when we get in arguments a lot of times with each other, are we really arguing about the issue? A lot of times we're not. Wives, you know, you get upset with your husband. He has no idea what you're upset about. He really doesn't. Now look at 1 Corinthians 13. You take all of these issues and you boil them down. And how does Paul deal with it? He deals with it with love. He says love is going to conquer all of these problems. Love is going to supersede everything. Love is going to make these issues so minute that we won't even be able to really remember what we were arguing over. And have you ever been in a relationship like that? What are we arguing over anyway? No, we just argue. Because in our sinful nature, we are independent. We want to be separate from people. We don't necessarily want to be that close to people. Or we want to govern the boundaries and how close we're going to be. And Jesus is telling us there's a unity and a level of relationship bonding that needs to take place before you're going to be able to deal with all these trivial issues. Amen. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Verse 4, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. All of this has to do with relationships. Relationships. Amen. We're patient with one another. We listen. We protect one another. You know, I like gossip just like everybody else. <laughs> you know, what's really going on? Come on, just fill me in. But if I love a person someone else is talking about, i got to protect. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need to be hearing that. Obviously, you have a problem with someone. You need to go talk to them. Deal with it. Get it resolved. Be unified. Right? Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to take place. All of this involves our relationships with one another. Paul sets love as the center of the problem. These people were not loving one another. Therefore, they had issues. Happens every time. Let's apply this to our situation a little bit. 
we've combined two different fellowships, right? And now we're sending out another fellowship. What are we doing? You know? And this has happened pretty quickly. It's been amazing what God has done. And how eager the brothers and sisters are to get that thing started and ox started. And I, you know, God be with you. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be down there some, so get used to it. A lot of relationship transitions, right? Two families melted together. We had brothers in this fellowship and sisters, brothers and sisters in this fellowship, and now we're combining them, and we've got stepbrothers and sisters. And you know how we often fight with our brothers and sisters, let alone if they're stepbrothers and sisters. Like my cousins, we always get with them during the summer. We fight the whole time. As soon as I got out of the car, I took my shirt off. I go, come on, let's just get over with it. <laughs> so we've had to learn to get along. We're supposed to get along. We're supposed to figure this out. God says no divisions. Jesus prays for unity. But we need to understand in order to be more unified, what are the things that are dividing us? Right? Well, you got the see me group. Okay. You got the see me group over here. Sacrificed a lot. A lot of planning, a lot of bonding. A lot of great things are going on in Simi. Man, they were, they were set, ready to go. Then Joe and Lynette got a phone call. And we needed some help over in the old shoreline. Now we got another group, see, the old shoreline. I call them the above-grade people. <laughs> Just above-the-grade people. And so we have that group calling Joe and Lynette, asking for some help with leadership, organization, all of the good things. And so I know Joe and Lynette had to think about it, pray about it. They went back to the CME group and said, we really need to help them and all this, that, and the other. And so, but the problem, some of the problem is, Joe and Lynette were asked to help, not the whole CME church, sorry, Because the above grade people thought, hey, we got a pretty good ministry. We need some help. We got a great music ministry. We got a great legends ministry. We got this. We got a great facility. We could put all our stuff in one building, this, that, and the other. See me groups over here going. I think we had a better song ministry, Genesis. <laughs> you guys are the ones that needed help. So get humble. And we're going to help you. And so you have feelings on both sides, guys. Feelings on both sides. You've got feelings over here, the above great people, just above the great people. They feel displaced. They lost their building. They lost a lot of things. And now we're sitting in the grand vista. (laughs) How did all this happen? Feelings have been strong. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Let's get all this behind us. Feelings have been strong. 
feelings have been hurt. You try to bring together two music ministries. Yeah. You try to bring together musicians just alone. Right. <laughs> it's tough enough. Yeah. Right, Christian? Yeah. Getting all these musicians together. A lot of feelings. A lot of feelings. But it's happening. And we're unified. And we've got to make sure that we stay unified. Let me tell you, I have a lot of opinions, you know. And my opinions, let me tell you something, my opinions are from God sometimes. <laughs> They're from God. Divinely revealed to me. I saw the emerging of the music ministry and I got concerned. I went to Joe and I said, Joe, I want to direct the music ministry. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I was kind of serious. Amen. Oh, amen, yeah, okay. And you know, that was from God. That was from God. But no one else thought it was from God. <laughs> you see, it was not from God. Aren't you thankful it was not from God? <laughs> Shut up. But anyway, uh, <laughs> there's so many of our opinions that are so strong. But you know what I've learned about opinions? I'm going to voice them. Everyone knows, hey, Marty's got an opinion. You're going to hear it. But i got to make sure that I recognize there are other opinions. Right. And if I'm smart, I will compare my opinion to the other opinions, and my opinion will be refined. Yes. You see? It's called compromise. It's called compromise. We've got to compromise with one another. Right. The Bible says, and we don't have time to turn to all of these things, but 1 Corinthians 12 says, clearly says when one part suffers what we all suffer you know people are feeling displaced or feeling lonely or going through relationship transitions do something about it someone's suffering bear that burden for them suffer with them come up with opinions that really do benefit the whole body of christ your pain is my pain. Your joy is my joy. We all belong to one another. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay, listen to this example, then I'm done. Imagine all of us are on a team. Same team. We are on the same team, right? We have two jerseys we put on. One jersey says the body of Christ, the church, the team. The other shirt, jersey, says self. Myself. What I want to do. What's convenient for me. Put all that on a jersey. You just put self on a jersey. You don't have to put any footnotes on a jersey. It doesn't look good. But anyway... When you have an opinion, what jersey do you have on? 
Got yourself jersey on or the team jersey? I'll be open with you. A lot of times I got an opinion, something I want to do. It's got Marty Wooten written all over it. I mean, it's just all about me. I didn't think that. I thought God and I had this thing going. And then I found out God actually forsook me and left me on my own, and everyone let me know that. But the point is, guys, what jersey do you have on? Hey, you know, there's a lot that's going to be happening in the future. Does anyone really like the Grand Vista? I mean, I've not heard anyone who's going, wow, that's the best place in the world. We found God's kingdom right here on Encini. I don't think anyone has that opinion. I certainly don't. But what if we happened to find something else that was closer to Moore Park or Thousand Oaks that was the best situation? And you had to drive a little further. What are you going to do, sit home with your self-jersey on? I'm going to sit home and watch some religion on TV. Or are you going to go, no, I got the team. I'm going with the team. Decision's been made. What's best? Where we need to go? I'm going to stay on the team. And sometimes when you stay on the team, you feel like, man, my opinions are kind of getting lost. It's kind of like when I always played football in high school. I wasn't very good, so my uniform was always white. And all the guys, you know, came off, and theirs was all dirty, and I was a white, white you know. I was... So what I learned to do is I'd go behind the bleachers during the game and roll around the mud. You know? and then we just, you know, i just go for it. Yeah, I'm tough. Jesus said simply, Whoever wants to follow me, whoever wants to be my disciple, must what? Must first deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. This is not about what's convenient for you. It's not what about convenient for me. It's about what's best for God's kingdom. Convenience. I've heard a lot about, well, what's convenient for this group? Convenient for that group. Convenience isn't the issue. The issue what's best. Now, if convenience can be fit in there, great. But I actually did a, a search throughout the Bible to find out if there was one instance of the word convenience. And you know what I found? There was one. And you know, it's when Paul was told by Felix, after Paul made his statement before Felix, Felix dismisses him and says, I'll send for you at a more convenient time. This is not about convenience, brothers and sisters. This is about being in an army right now. A family, but an army where we've got to sacrifice. I hear more and I read more about sacrifice, self-denial, the cross, the theology of cross. There is not a theological thread or biblical hint it even points towards convenience as being the basis for a decision in Christ. You won't find it. If you find it, come tell me. Because I'd like to know. But I'm not in this because it's convenient. And heaven helped the group down in Oxnard if you guys all got together just because it was more convenient. Right. 
Don't go there. We're going there to sacrifice. We're going there to fight. We're going there to have fun. We're going to bring people to Christ. But we are going to be united. And we're going to love one another. And heaven help the world if they can't see what God is doing among us. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great afternoon. Amen. Thank you very much.